program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. You can reach us by phone at 973-285-7800. And some news at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have moved our Bedminster office, still in the same town, but we've moved to 2345 Lamington Road, Suite 107. That's 2345 Lamington Road, Suite 107, and that's in Bedminster, New Jersey. We also will be launching our Spine Center out of the Morristown and Bedminster office, and the Spine Center now is anyone who's suffering from a backache or back pain, you can call us and we can see you from the onset of your back pain. Uh, we will guide your back care from that initial visit. Um, most people, as you know, do not need surgery, so we would probably refer you out for some PT or pain management or chiropractic, but you now can see us and a few of the doctors that see you are in some of the networks. So again, give us a call at 973-285-7800 to see someone at the Spine Center in our new office in Bedminster, New Jersey. Um, again, thank you all for uh, tuning in every Sunday and visiting my website, AnswersLiveNJ.com. Again, always remember you can visit that website to listen to any of the shows we aired um, as much as you'd like. Um, and thank you all for visiting there and giving me uh, suggestions on shows for the future. It's really helping me, kind of helps me from trying to figure out who I want to bring on. You're all being very nice and giving me some great ideas. Okay, so again, um, I brought you another special guest today. Um, I thought this topic would be really good. Uh, I've known many people who've had difficulty with wounds and wound healing, so I thought it would be appropriate to find uh, the best guy for that in the area, and that would be Dr. Robert Skirker. He is the medical director of the Wound Care Center at Morristown Medical Center, and that's located right at the hospital. Um, to, to reach Dr. Skirker, and I'm sure the people who are suffering from this would like to, is 973 971 4550. And you can also talk to Dr. Skirker live today if you have any questions by calling the station at 973-267-9687. Again, to speak to Dr. Skirker today, it's 973-267-9687. Okay, we got that all out of the way. Good morning to you, Dr. Skirker. Good morning, Tom, and thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Before we get started on this wound care topic, which is very interesting, let the listeners know a little bit about who Dr. Skirker is and where and what you do at Morristown Medical Center. Tom, I've been at Morristown Medical Center since approximately 1993. I'm a rehab physician by training, and very shortly after coming, I was recruited to also join the Wound Healing Center. I've been with the Wound Healing Center for many years. I took a one-year hiatus, but I'm back now for the last four months as the medical director. We have exciting new programs going on. We're boosting our 
technical expertise on healing wounds, and we have had a lot of success. We look forward to many more years of success. I have personal experience working with your team, the neurosurgical group, and I've come to know your docs very well as I've worked with them in our rehab unit for many, many years. You work for a great group of guys, and I really love them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are, we are a very strong group, and uh, like I said, we do try to affiliate and partner ourselves with the best uh, physicians to help really bring our patients a team approach on anything that we do. So welcome back to, uh, to doing the wound care at Morristown. Um, let's really get into the topic because, of course, our show is, is short and I want to get everything touched uh, on touch-based. Um, what is wound care? Wound care is a discipline that's multi-specialty related. We have many doctors who provide wound care. Wound care is for those patients who have wounds that fail to heal. A typical wound that a young person may get from a laceration or a sports injury doesn't need to see us. We treat patients who have wounds that don't heal. And the question is, is when do you decide your wound hasn't healed? Is it a week, two weeks, three weeks? It's, it's an open-ended question that I can't entirely answer. If you're a young person and you have a little sports injury, a laceration that looks like it's healing and coming along, you don't need to see us. You can get treated by your primary care doctor. If you go to the emergency room and you get a laceration treated, you don't need to see us. But if you're an older right. person and you have a wound that just isn't coming along after a week or two or three, isn't looking right, red, inflamed, draining, if you've had wounds before that don't heal, if you're a diabetic patient, if you have other lying diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis or vascular diseases, then you need to come see us. So a wound care center is a place that specializes in treating patients with chronic wounds. That they just don't heal on their own. Exactly. Let's get a baseline. Um, as quick as you can describe it, a normal cut, I cut my finger, I'm bleeding, I put a Band-Aid on it. Um, what happens to that? I'm a normal, healthy guy. How does a wound actually heal? What happens well, to it? Well, the wound coagulates, blood comes out, blood seals the wound, and then the wound goes through a process of inflammation. The inflammation leads to new cells coming into the wound. Okay. The new cells lay down wound healing products such as basal cells and basal membrane, and then inflammation uh, wanes, and then the wound starts to close over with new tissue that forms. And that's a normal wound process. That can take anywhere from two to four weeks. Okay. Now, what causes, I guess this is the main question here then, uh, it's probably a, large, a, a larger answer to, what causes some wounds to heal and some wounds not to heal? Great question. If we knew the answer, we probably could heal all wounds. But the science of wound healing is in its infancy, and it's got a long way to go. But a lot of research has been done. We feel that wounds don't heal because they get stuck in the inflammatory phase. That's the initial phase after the wound coagulates in which uh, fibroblasts come in and macrophages come in to clean up the wound. And then, and then once they wane, we start to get new tissue growth. But what happens is, is the wound gets stuck in a chronic phase okay. and the, the tissues uh, create proteins that, that cause inflammation that doesn't wane. It's supposed to, the inflammation is supposed to come and then it's supposed to go. And for some reason, these wounds stay inflamed and then don't heal. Okay. So the inflammation kind of calls in the troops to lay down the new foundation. And for some reason, that just never goes away. Exactly. So that second or third phase, whatever that is, just can't start. Exactly. And that's where our specialty comes in because we need to figure out what's going on and how to sort of fix a stalled wound and get it to unstall and start a trajectory towards wound healing. Okay. And I want to get uh, deep into how we do that, but I let's a uh, little question is who is, well, it's probably a very big question actually, who is at risk? Great question. So older people are definitely at risk. Unfortunately, 
in almost everything. Older people at risk. But young people... What do you think is older now that I'm getting older? I know. We're all getting What's older. older? Uh, probably... 70, in, 60s? No, probably as late as your late 50s, early 60s, uh, 70s. Okay. Uh, and people who have venous disease are at risk. People who have diabetes are at risk. People who have inflammatory conditions, the arthritic conditions are at risk. People who are overweight are at risk. People who can't feel their feet because they have neuropathy are at huge risk. That That's probably the number one biggest risk factor are diabetic patients who either knowingly or unknowingly have diabetic neuropathy. Right. And now um, a lot of times, of course, I'm, as you know, in the medical field, and before I did this, I actually was treating and helping patients, and I would see those wounds. And not all of them, but for us, when we would read charts, um, most of them were diabetics. And why is that? Because there's a lot of diabetics out there. We did a show on that. Um, why do diabetics not have the wound healing that someone normally would? Diabetics have changes in their tissue structure, changes in their blood flow, changes in their neurologic condition, and changes in the structure of their feet, and changes in the perspiration of their foot. They actually get neuropathy in which their skin dries out. They don't perspire like a normal foot should. Their skin thins out. Their skin loses its ability to sense trauma. And the blood vessels start to thin out. So all those work in combination. The the more out of control somebody's blood sugars are, the more likely these things are to happen. So that is why diabetics are at bigger risk. And also in our country, diabetes is becoming an epidemic. We have well over... 20 million people with diabetes projected to just skyrocket in the next few years. And even people not on insulin, in other words, you're type 2 diabetic, not treated with insulin, are as equal risk as somebody on insulin. There's more type 2 diabetics who have neuropathy than type 1 just because it's more prevalent and therefore more likely actually to treat a foot ulcer in a type 2 diabetic than a type 1. But if you have type 1 diabetes, in general, your disease is worse because your blood sugars are more erratic and more out of control. Okay. And uh, you did mention obesity, and I have noticed um, some morbidly obese people who will have, usually you notice on their calves or their feet, they will have these wounds. It looks like a cellulitis. And why is that, again? Is it just that the, the body's trying to, can't get enough blood flow to those areas, or why? It's is... generally not. Generally, those diabetic patients, it's not a blood flow issue, although blood flow can be an issue in certain patients, but blood flow issues are are by far less of an issue on the arterial side. So there's two sides of blood flow, arteries and veins. Arteries bring the blood down to the area and veins bring it back. So there's two sets of pipes, just like in your house. Okay. And and the vein and the venous system is usually the trouble with, with folks who are heavy. They have hydrostatic pressure, the weight of their body, the weight of the water pressure on their legs, causing the blood just to pool in their feet. And then, and then the pooling of the blood can't get back up. It leads to expansion of the blood vessels, and they sometimes lead to flow reversals that go in the wrong direction, leading to pressure on the skin. And the skin will just spontaneously open and, and drain with a wound. And those are typically called venous leg ulcers. Okay. Wow. That was very interesting. And it does answer those questions. You did also mention people with arthritis, which actually was a little bit surprising to me. How does that equate to wounds not healing? Well, typically people with arthritis are fine, but some people with certain kinds of inflammatory arthritis is the, the, quote, rheumatoid arthritis population. And that's a huge population beyond the scope of my expertise, actually. But just in general, there's many different diagnoses that fit in that sort of basket. And those patients often have treatments with anti-inflammatory drugs. And many of those anti-inflammatory drugs inhibit general routine healing, actually, like prednisone. 
certain of the more advanced biological agents interfere with wound healing because they interfere with cell regeneration. That's how they work. And therefore, those patients, if they were to get a wound, actually can have chronic wounds that don't heal as easily. And we have a fair number of those at our wound care center, and they're an extremely challenging group of patients to treat. We have to treat in a multidisciplinary approach with the rheumatology doctors, our doctors, the vascular surgeons, etc. So it's, 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 uh, it's a big problem, but thank goodness it's a relatively small group of patients. Okay. You mentioned anti-inflammatories. Um, of course, me, who, who takes a leave constantly for ankle issues, does that, um, I'm a healthy guy, of course, but does that inhibit healing if I had a cut? or is it Generally speaking, the non-steroidals aren't major players in inhibiting healing. Okay. But to a slight degree, they are. For instance, my colleagues in neurosurgery and right. spine surgery don't want their patients to be on non anti-inflammatory medications after spine surgery because they know it can inhibit their, the healing of their, of their surgical sites. So to a slight degree, yes, but that's not one of the major players that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the glucocorticoids primarily. Okay. Well, like I said, I know a lot of uh, listeners like me are thinking, wait a minute, I take anti-inflammatories. Um, so that's good to clear up. Um, now that we kind of have a baseline, let's get into how wounds are treated. Um, let's start before we get to our break, but I want to start a little bit now, is how do we, I have a wound. Let's go through it this way. I have a wound. I'm now at the wound care center. Let's start with the evaluation part. What happens when I get to you first? And then we'll get into the actual healing. How do we heal it? So I arrive at your place. An evaluation is done. What happens um, at that point? Sure, Tom. So these patients are usually complex. They don't end up with us just because they have a little boo-boo for no good reason. We do a complete evaluation from head to toe, do a complete history and physical review of systems, check their medication list, try to get some background information. Some of these patients have had surgery. We try to get their op reports to find out what kind of surgery and how it was done. We then examine them. We look for signs or symptoms of issues. I'll talk about feet primarily. So let's just say we look at their blood flow of their feet. We feel for pulses. Hopefully we feel pulses. If we don't feel pulses, then we have to do in another assessment, we have to use some technology such as a Doppler to find a pulse or even more sophisticated. But let's just say we feel the pulse, we go along, we check for neuropathy. We find that the patient does have neuropathy. I use a little tiny hair called a monofilament that exerts pressure on the foot. And I can check with that little hair whether they have protective sensation or not. And very frequently, they do not. Okay. And just for everyone listening, neuropathy, for those who don't know, is, is a desensitization of the the nerves in an area where they can't really feel anymore. Exactly. And sometimes it's painful and sometimes it's painless. There's different types, but for okay. simplicity's sake, that's correct. Okay. And then we look at the wound. So let's just say there's a wound on the bottom of the foot. And let's say it's a diabetic patient with this neuropathy. So we would call that a diabetic foot ulcer. And then we measure the wound. We measure the width, the length, and the depth. We look to see how deep the wound goes. We probe the wound. If it probes to the bone, that's a serious condition. That means that's a more serious wound. We have grading systems, and, and different grading systems give prognostic information. So if it's a serious wound and it has a bad prognostic uh, outcome, then we get real aggressive right away and start trying to treat that. So one of the things we would do is culture the wound to see what kind of bacteria are growing from the wound. All wounds have bacteria. The question becomes whether they're significant or insignificant and what kinds. In our society right now, in and outside the hospital, very common bacteria that I'm sure our listeners have heard is methicillin-resistant staph aureus, otherwise known as MRSA. It's the MRSA. That's MRSA, and that's everywhere. I've seen sports athletes with MRSA. Right. I've seen grandmas with MRSAs. I've seen young kids with MRSA. It's right. out there. 
So anyhow, we find out what kind of wound, what kind of uh, bacteria growing. We try to use antimicrobial therapy to treat the bacteria, and we have to treat what are called biofilms. They're an interesting whole different area where these, these, these bacteria are under a shield. It's almost like they're shielded from any antibiotic we can give them. Wow. To get them to be treatable, we have to unroof the shield. And we unroof the shield by doing a debridement, a sharp, sharp surgical debridement with a little instrument right there, right at the bedside, right in the wound care center. We clean out the wound, and we actually want the wound to bleed. The patients say, why are you making my wound bleed? Right. We're making your wound bleed because we want to... Tr we, I told you at the beginning of the show that this is a chronic wound that has stalled, and I told you that we want to bring blood flow in to bring the goodies in that cause wound healing. The platelets release uh, granules, and the granules have actually wound healing properties in them that promote wound healing, so we actually do that on purpose, but we do that as well to unroof that biofilm and those bacteria and get them out of the wound. Okay, so let's hold that roof open. We're going to take a break, and we're going to get right back to sure. Dr. Skirker. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day, I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. And today we're bringing you an awesome show with Dr. Robert Skirker, who is the medical director of the Wound Care Center at Morristown Medical Center. To reach Dr. Skirker, it's 973-971-4550. And to talk to him today, if you have a question, it's 973 Two six seven nine six eight seven. Before we left on break, Dr. Skirker was getting into um, how we evaluate uh, a wound, um, and he was discussing about basically restoring um, some blood flow back to it because the the wound is stalled at the inflammatory process. And he was using um, basically the analogy of taking the roof off. So that's where we left off. So let's get back into that wound that we were uh, removing the roof and kind of stimulating blood flow. Thank you, Tom. Sure. So the roof is off and we're stimulating blood flow, and then we usually put a topical antimicrobial in the wound. There's many different products out there, so I won't mention names. It depends on the physician's choice, what he thinks is appropriate at that point in time. And then we call in our specialists, our vascular surgeons. Let's just say we need to check the blood flow. We have colleagues in our wound care center who are vascular surgeons who will check the vascular flow. We call in our infectious disease doctors who work in our wound care center who can help us guide antimicrobial therapy. We can typically start with an oral antibiotic or we can start with an IV antibiotic or start one and do the other. Sometimes these wounds look so awful and the patient's leg is inflamed, swollen, 
and, and it's a serious condition, that we need to bring him into the hospital. So we can sometimes get him transferred right into the hospital and do a lot of this as inpatients, but not everybody needs that. Most of our patients, I'd say, don't, and we can treat them as outpatients and have them come back relatively frequently on a once-a-week basis. Right. Um, one thing that stirred a question in my mind, you said um, you bring in a vascular surgeon. So let's say they find out that the arterial flow or the venous flow is so uh, substantially um, uh, poor would they then do a, say, a revision, or would they fix that before you continue the wound care? Yes, good point. So if you believe that it's an arterial ulcer or there's significant vascular issues, I probably wouldn't have unroofed that wound. I would have waited to prove that the blood flow was adequate. If the blood flow was not adequate, then we would have had surgical restoration of adequate blood flow and then unroofed the wound. So great, great question. Okay. And so that's what I was wondering. So we do, if there was a f- blood flow issue, well, f- you would actually then have that type of surgery or something first, then come back. Absolutely correct. Okay. Sorry, Dad. I just wanted to uh, clear that up from my own knowledge to see how that was. Um, okay. So now we, um, you're putting some medication there. Um, what other ways do we heal this wound? So there's some advanced wound therapies that we have available to us, which separates us out from the private office puts us at the realm of an advanced wound therapy. We have advanced cellular and tissue-based products we can put on the wound. We have things like cellular-based products, things called aplograph. We have tissue-based products, products such as A-cell, products such as Epifix. And these products have been shown to be very, very substantially helpful in increasing the trajectory of wound healing. We know that the quicker we can start the wound healing in the right direction, the quicker that wound will heal. It's, it's sort of like once you get the, rate, the car driving and you get it moving, the quicker you can accelerate. Once we start getting that wound to accelerate in the right direction towards healing, it'll continue in that direction. So we really try very hard to maximize everything we can maximize to improve that. The other uh, treatment that we have that's very important, especially for the diabetic foot ulcer who has a significant wound, we call them Wagner grade 3 wounds, which penetrate to bone and mm-hmm. tissue and show some necrotic material. They are benefited by using special oxygen, and that special oxygen is called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. That oxygen is delivered in a special chamber under pressure at 100% oxygen, and we know from research that that oxygen improves the amount of, the giving the oxygen that way improves the amount of oxygen in the blood system, and therefore the blood delivers more oxygen than normal to the wound, and therefore the wound will improve its ability to heal. We know that diabetic patients have multiple issues going on that impair wound healing. They have swelling, they have basement membranes which are thicker than normal, they have damage to their tiny little blood vessels at the capillary level, and we can actually improve all those things by giving them hyperbaric oxygen. Hyperbaric oxygen is not for everybody. It doesn't, you can't give it to any wound indiscriminately. It's for certain wounds because we know it helps certain cases and it doesn't necessarily help other cases. Okay. When, when you're saying hyperbaric chamber, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking of Michael Jackson used to sleep in the hyperbaric chamber. Um, is it that type? Is it an actual chamber where the whole body goes into, or is it just the foot that goes into that? I'm, you know, me, I'm getting this vision of this big chamber. Is that really what it is? You're absolutely correct. Uh, and that's a great question because what Michael Jackson did was he slept in a tent okay. that really wasn't hyperbaric. He, you're not able to in, increase your pressure within a little nylon tent or however it was, but you have to be in a plexiglass chamber in which your pressures can be increased. We generally dive, we call it diving because it's like diving underwater, right. to one to two sea levels below 
normal, surface, right. below the surface, right? And by doing that, we can increase the pressure at which we're pushing the oxygen molecules into your bloodstream. Plus, we're giving 100% oxygen. So we're not just sticking somebody's foot in a little what we call topical chamber. Those have been most likely shown not to work. Many, they exist, they're out there, but you can't just stick your foot in a little chamber and say, okay, I'm gonna put some oxygen in this chamber. Your foot's gonna be in, it's gonna work. The issue is, is it's the pressure. The pressure that's driving the gradient from, uh, from your, um, your lungs into your, into your blood vessels that allows that oxygen to supersaturate your blood system. And then that supersaturated blood with oxygen gets down into the tissues it needs to get to. By doing topical like Michael Jackson, it doesn't actually work. Okay. And what does a patient experience when they're in this chamber for those who are just listening? Um, do you feel the pressure? Are you able to breathe normally? What is, what is the feeling that someone would you get? You breathe perfectly normally. Okay. The, you do feel pressure. And typically, you go down to descent slowly and you rise slowly. It's very similar to going up and down in an airplane. So the biggest issue for most patients is their ears. They can get what's called barotrauma, where they get little popping of the ears. So we have to teach patients how to clear their ears properly and how to do horn blowers maneuver. And we also look in patients' ears to make sure their ears are okay. In rare instances, patients can't tolerate it for that. But most of the time, we can get patients through. The yeah. other issue is some people are just afraid of being in an enclosed space. Right. Sure. That's a huge issue I'm learning from more and more patients. But the chamber is acrylic. It's clear. We have somebody sitting right there with you while you're in the chamber, and they're right outside. They're talking to you on a telephone. You have a television that you can watch, and many of my patients bring their own videos from home so they can watch their favorite video in the chamber. And believe it or not, most of the patients get so relaxed once they're used to it, they fall asleep in the chamber. And I have several patients that tell me they sleep better in the chamber than they sleep at home. I'm sure. And, and they look forward to coming. Right. And I'm sure if people can get through MRIs, and we've all done that, then I'm sure they can get through the chamber. It they seems absolutely a lot can. more more pleasant. Um, I want to touch base on, a, like I said, a personal question. I know someone um, who had a, a breast lesion and it just didn't heal uh, a year. They, uh, of course, didn't go to you. They went somewhere to another hospital. But it just doesn't heal. And we were talking uh, before the show and you were giving some information why. Um, so I want to let everyone else know, why do some wounds, unfortunately, just don't heal? Um, is there that? Oh, you were telling me something about cancer, and this sure. was a cancer. Sure. There are, there are unfortunately, wounds that don't heal. We, we have many patients that we treat that, of course, we want to heal everybody, but we have some of our patients we keep treating and treating, they don't heal. But one particular class that you referred to, Tom, was these cancerous wounds. If you have a cancerous wound, the wound is actually caused by the cancer or promulgated by the cancer. Those are di very difficult to heal wounds. I have a patient now who um, had ovarian cancer, had surgery, and the surgical wound post-op opened and never healed properly, and the patient has to get active chemo. So the chemo inhibits wound healing because it inhibits all those new cells from growing. Right. So you have to battle that, and yet the patient needs their chemo. You can't not give them their chemo. So you got an issue where you may have a direct cancerous lesion where the wound is located, or you may have a distant cancerous lesion where the wound's not located, but just the chemotherapy itself is keeping the wound from healing. And those are very, very challenging wounds. In some cases, we actually say we will treat them palliatively. We treat the exudate, we treat the, the, the discharge, we treat the, the odor, and we try to make the patients as comfortable as we can. We also treat cancerous wounds or not so cancerous wounds, but wounds that are caused by radiation-induced burns right, yeah. from cancer, and, and we actually do pretty well with those. Okay. 
Um, we have about a minute left of our show, so I want to close with a couple more key uh, information for people to leave. Now, that cancerous wounds are a very small substrate of wounds. Of course, the wound center heals most of the wounds, thank- thankfully. So before we leave, let, let everyone know what makes the wound care um, at Morristown a little bit different. So we're different because we have super specialized folks who dedicate their careers to healing wounds. We have internal medicine doctors, um, infectious disease doctors, vascular surgeons, podiatric surgeons, and we have a great staff of nurses who are dedicated to healing wounds. We take a team approach, and we also have some advanced wound therapies. We have certain kinds of ultrasounds that we can use to to help wounds heal. We have certain kind of skin and tissue-based products that other folks don't have. We have the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, and we have at disposal the wonderful, huge, very highly skilled staff at Morristown Medical Center, which can help us when we need help. So we really encompass everything. And most importantly, we include the patient in their healing process, which is key in helping that patient get their wound healed. Okay. So it's definitely a team approach at the um, um, wound, heal center, uh, wound care center at Morristown Medical Center. Let me give the numbers out again for that. To uh, reach Dr. Skirker um, at the wound center at Morristown Medical Center, it's 973 971-4550. Again, um, I'm Tom from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. To reach us, that's 973-285-7800. And remember, our new office located in, is at 2345 Lamington Road, Suite 107 in Bedminster, New Jersey, for our Somerset uh, uh, patients. Um, and I want to thank everyone again for listening. Visit the website, Answers Live NJ, to re-listen to the show or any of the other previously aired shows. And I wish you all a happy Sunday. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.